announcement. We have uh, put up some signs for a Passover Seder. I had a couple of people ask me, what's a Seder? So, a couple of years ago, I went to one of these. This is going to be with Pastor Lynn and Holly Lapka, who are the folks that took us to Israel. And uh, a Seder is basically the, the, the Last Supper that we see in Scripture was, a, was an annual uh, a meal that families had together before Passover, and it was called a Seder, the Passover Seder. And so interesting, you get to walk through uh, what, what really Jesus and the disciples were doing at this Last Supper, and it connects the Old Testament and the prophecies to their fulfillment in Jesus. And you get to see it. It's an amazing time. So we have a, have a meal. I mean, come prepared. It's like three hours, but it goes, it goes quick. There's just, we participate in this. Uh, what would have been an, an annual, matter of fact, still happens today, annual Jewish celebration the evening before Passover. So uh, this is going to be limited to 50 people. You can only have so many um, please, if you sign up, make it a solid sign up. Don't sign up tentatively because you're taking somebody's spot and we're preparing for you. So if you sign up, we need you to be there. I mean, unless you lose a limb or die, uh, if you sign up, plan on being there. Okay. So uh, now here's the deal. We're putting this out to you guys two weeks before we put it out to everybody else. So in two weeks, I'm going to put this out to all the other churches in the community. Okay. And, and around the community. So don't, don't drag your feet because when it's full, it's full. So you're getting the heads up two weeks before everybody else. Uh, if you know somebody you think would like to come, I mean, it's open, really. To, I mean, community would love to see people from, from the community. But uh, if, if, if you guys fill it up, then, then that's it. So we just want to let you know, I do have a sign-up. Uh, where's this going to be, Cassandra? I don't know. All right, so today it'll be with me. It'll be up here on the front pew, uh, we'll, but this is going to be out. We probably have a table in the back where we'll put that out, and uh, you can sign up for that. But that's going to be an exciting time. So that, like I say, there'll be a meal uh, that we will be serving with that, and Pastor Lynn and Holly will be heading that up. I, like I said, I went two years ago. I had never been to one. I'd heard about them. I uh, was so glad that I went. It was so good. So... You'll enjoy that. It's going to be a great time of fellowship with uh, not only with us, but also with others in our community, which makes it fun. Also, I thought I'd let you know, we really, I haven't even put it out there, but I'm going to tell you, uh, we are going to do another um, community service with the other churches on the evening of March 26th. So I've talked with Pastor Nick and Kevin, and, and we've got another uh, group of, of family churches that get together. We're going to let them know. And so we'll be doing that. We haven't worked all the details out yet because it's supposed to be in somebody else's building, but their building's all torn up. So we're just kind of waiting and see. But I thought I'd let you know uh, the evening of March 26th, we'll be doing another community service together, which was a lot of fun last time we did that. So there we go. Okay. <clears throat> Are you ready to get out of verse three? You got one more week. You got one more week. Uh, you're, you could be right. As the, the prophet in the back has said. So, uh, so I want to take just another walk along verse 3, the path of righteousness. I've told a couple of people this 
isn't just something I like to talk about. I talk about it because it's changing my life. It's changing how I approach God. It's changing how I walk. This has changed how I approach God more than anything else in the last 20 years is this. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to know how God sees it, for they will be satisfied. And the promise is that our shepherd will lead us in this path of righteousness, this path of how God sees it. So I want to I want to take one more walk down. Really, the first three verses, there is so much. Every time I read them, every time I look, every time I study, it just opens up again and again. Um, and, and this last time together really helps us step into verse four, which is a continuation of the first three verses. But it is really the first place where the sheep begins to make a declaration um, of, of who they are with the shepherd rather than who the shepherd is to them, right? Uh, it's not that it's different, but you'll see it. You'll see it as we get to it. The sheep actually declare something in verse four. Um, and uh, it's an exciting something. Uh, and it's something very helpful to me. So, uh, but verse four, um, when, when we get to it, we'll step into it expectantly as we consider the most unlikely place to look for hope, Right? The valley of the shadow of death. Not a, not a place that sounds very hopeful, but the sheep speak it with expectation. All right. So there you go. You go, wow, that sounds like a good one to miss. No, you're going to want to hear it. All right. So let's go back to Hebrews. I want to go back to Hebrews and consider the sheep that God is leading from Egypt to the promised land. Okay, Hebrews chapter 3 is speaking of the generation that came out with Moses from Egypt. And as he considers that, he's considering any generation that would call on the name of the Lord. Okay, uh, he's speaking to who are the writer of Hebrews speaking to his generation, but this, this supersedes them and comes to us, right? So he's, he's speaking to us as well. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 said this, therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us, just as they also. Who was they also? The generation that came out with Moses. So he said they had the good news preached to them. What do we call the good news today? The gospel. That's the gospel. That's what the gospel means. It means good news means good news. Go and preach the good news, right? And so the writer of Hebrews says that we have had the good news, the gospel preached to us, just as they also. But the word or the good news they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So Hebrews 4, um, again, holds the Israelites of, of Moses day up against any generation who are calling Jehovah their God. Okay? So just drawing this up. Um, why, why was the good news that they heard not profitable to them? They heard the good news. Why was it not profitable to them? What's it say? It was not being united with faith. Faith. 
I want to I talk about faith a little bit today, especially in light of the first three verses of Psalms 23. Uh, faith, I, I would say again, it's like the word righteousness. It's, it's a word of a thousand definitions. You talk to different people and they'll tell you what faith is and, and what it's not and what it does and what it won't do. But um, it, it's very interesting. We're given some things in these first two verses and in the chapter previous, chapter three that we looked at last week, that, that give us some pretty good insights into faith. I want to talk about that a little bit because he, uh, Psalms 23, verses one through three, I think, after going through this, is one of the best pictures of faith that we're given in all of Scripture. I, I think it is. What faith really looks like and how, how faith gets united with the good news. So, Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Um, you you got to hear this. You got to hear this. You go, what's faith? What's faith? You know, it's like, well, faith, substance things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, right? Um, um, it's very interesting. I've always been a bit just kind of, there's like a catch in Hebrews 12 uh, or Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is the, is the heroes of faith, right? If you read it, it lists these people that are called heroes of faith. And yet towards the end of that chapter, it says, most of these died without having received the promises, right? And, and yet so many times what I have caught about faith is faith is a means of getting God to produce. And so you got to ask a question, is that really true? And if it's not, then we should avoid it like poison because we need to apply faith the way it was given to us, not the way we want it to work. So um, I want you to get what's being said here. Faith, faith is for obedience to the good news, which leads us to inherit the rest of God's finished work. Faith is for obedient. Faith, I'm I'm just going to say it, faith is not for production. Because otherwise, what it says in Hebrews 11 is a lie. Because if it was for production, then these really weren't people of faith because they got to the end of their lives and they hadn't inherited the promises. But it says they were looking. They stayed on the path by faith, and by faith, the good news was united with faith, right? So I want you to see this. So I I just, I want to say this up front. Faith is for obedience to the good news. Why? Because I don't need faith when things are going my way. Do I? You want to know why? Faith was so powerful at at the conversion, my conversion, probably yours too, when you came to Christ, is because you understood you had nothing. You needed him. You were on this bumpy road, and all of a sudden you're on this horrible road, and you look up, and here's Christ, and he goes, come to me. I'll give you rest. And by faith, right, we respond. Faith is for obedience. We became obedient to Christ. Whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord. Right? 
and, and that God raised him from the dead. And he's the only one that can for, forgive our sins. Faith is for obedience. My faith didn't produce anything at my conversion, did it? Did I get God to do anything for me? No. Faith was a response to him in obedience. Faith is for obedience. Remember that. Remember that. Next time somebody looks at your life and things are going wrong and they go, oh, you must be losing faith. Go, have I quit being obedient? No, it's taking all the faith I have to walk in obedience. All right, you are combining faith with the good news. You will inherit the promises. Now, it said that in Hebrews, they died without receiving the promises, but it didn't say that they didn't inherit the promises because I'll guarantee you, they've got the promises right now because he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living, right? So faith is obedience to the good news. Faith is for obedience to the good news. Hebrews 3, 9. Look at this. Before he writes verses 1 and 2 in chapter 4, he writes this, where your fathers tried me by testing me. So he's talking about the, the nation of Israel in the desert, right? Where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Why do you say that? I, I, I want to get something. I really want this to be solid in your hearts. I want you to remember this. So did the generation that Moses led out of Egypt see the miracles of God? Come on, did they see them? What were some of the miracles they saw? Parting the Red Sea. Manna from heaven. Water from the rock. Uh, I would say some of the miracles weren't as good for them. Ground opening up, serpents, right? These were all miraculous signs from God. Plagues, right? Okay, so we've already read in Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 that they were not operating by faith. So did the faith cause the miracles? No, no. Is faith for making miracles happen? No, that's God's job. Faith is for living in obedience to the good news. And this is what they weren't doing. And so all the time, why do you say that? Because in our lives, when nobody else is around, nobody else knows what's going on, and we're struggling, the enemy comes and whispers, well, you must not have enough faith. Because things are falling apart. Listen, faith is for when things are falling apart. Faith isn't the tool that gets me out of those things. Faith is the tool that when I'm going down the road, listen, in scripture it says, though you stumble seven times, God will not let you fall headlong. Does he understand that if you ever go over to Israel, one of the biggest things that marked me, people go, what did mark it? The rocks. The rocks. There's rocks everywhere. It's, there, there are no even sidewalks. I laughed when we were over there. I laughed out loud multiple times because we, in, in, in the West, we are so intent on keeping everybody safe. Like, and we're driving down the street and I'm looking at the houses and like there are high voltage wires hanging everywhere. And I'm like, wow, common sense still works here in Israel. Like kids, if you touch that, you're going to die. Like, we'll just have to make another one. That's just the way it is. Like, we're not going to protect you from yourself. And you go out on their sidewalks, and they're all large cobblestone, nothing even. I mean, toe catchers everywhere. And when it rains, it has got to be snot slick. So, so, so rocks, rocks. I saw the rocks. There's just rocks everywhere. 
All of these paths are uneven. You go uphill everywhere. When it talks about making level paths for your feet to walk on, the people of the Middle East have a whole other concept of that than what we do. Faith is for those paths. Faith is for those paths. When things aren't going right. And the enemy, he just comes in and he likes to try to twist that. And he goes, well, if you had faith, right, wasn't this, wasn't this what he tried on Jesus? Hey, if you're really the son of God, turn the stones into bread. Show me something. And Jesus said, oh no, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. What's he saying? I'm going to combine faith with the good news. Because faith is for obedience. Faith is not for production. Now I'm here to tell you that if you live in that manner, right? You're with the shepherd. He's got you covered. He's got you covered. But what you will learn is that God will do what needs to be done in his timing and in his way. And I can trust him because faith is, let me say this, faith is a confidence in God's character. That's what faith is. And that's why faith is for obedience. Because if I trust the character of the one I'm following, I will do what he says. Because there's nothing good for me outside of his will. Faith is for obedience. It is not for production. And I think it's so interesting that we are given in Hebrews a picture of a generation of people who saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet they're called hard-hearted. And then we go back to Matthew and we go, is it any wonder that Jesus looked at the religious people of the day and said, it is a wicked generation that asked for a sign. Because really, you are a generation who is not interested in combining the good news with faith. He goes, your hearts are as hard as your father's. We read that, right? They tested him and saw his works for 40 years, yet their hearts remained hard and they died in the desert. I... I, 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 I really, I mean, I got to be honest, I long to see God's miracles happen in my generation. I, I want to see the promises of scripture come to pass, but not at the expense of a generation becoming hard-hearted and believing in the miracles, that the miracles was a sign of their righteousness because it wasn't. The, that, that generation of people did not see things the way God saw it. Moses did. Moses knew my ways. The children of Israel knew my acts. They knew the miracles, but it didn't soften their heart. They never combined faith with the good news. And, and we are warned, right, about that. Uh, I put here, I go down here. Um, faith is primarily the means to our obedience to the good news. And Jesus says that an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and a sign will not be given it. Isn't that interesting? He said that there's times when he's not going to give you any sign. Why? Because he's more interested in you knowing his ways than he is in you knowing his works. <laughs> doesn't mean he doesn't want to do works. But he said, if the heart of the generation is sick, I'm not going to give them a sign. Right? 
Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I want to see it. I, I believe God wants to do the things he said he was going to do. I think, I think they're going to be seen. It will be seen because there will be a generation someplace that's going to grab a hold of this and say, God, we want to know your ways. We want to know your ways. We want you to lead us in the path of how you see it. We're done with the path of how we see it. Show us your way so we can walk with you. A generation that demands a sign to believe is a generation that is not uniting the good news with faith. Faith does not make the road smooth. Faith keeps you on the road with the shepherd, no matter what the terrain. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. I used to sing a song with the kids when we did kids' church. Faith is like a rope, right? Really, it's true. It should tie me to God, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, right? Um, because when I try to use faith to produce and it doesn't happen, what happens in here? I become disheartened. I become discontent. My love grows cold, and I begin looking for other allegiances to get what I want. Rather than just saying, God, I'm in the path with you. I receive this day from you. I receive the circumstances of this day from you. God, I'm hungry and thirsty to know how you see it. Like what I see makes me anxious. What I see makes me want to run. But give me new eyes. Help me to see it your way. Isn't it? You know, we read the stories. Isn't this? I just thought of this. I don't, I don't know why I haven't preached this in here someplace. You remember Elijah? Was it Elijah or Elisha? I don't even remember. I'd have to go look. But uh, the, uh, There's a king. And like every time this king would come out to war against Israel, the prophet would go and tell the king of Israel what they were going to do. And they would would beat him, and the king got mad and finally goes, go get this prophet. I think that's so funny. Like, the guy knows what's going on all the time, and you're going to sneak up on him somehow. And, and so this army goes out, and, and the servant of the prophet is freaking out. Look at this army! And the prophet, Elijah, Elisha, and I remember he prays, God, open his eyes. He opened his eyes, and he saw the angels that filled the hills. And it was greater are those who were for us than those who were against us. And God blinded the army and they let him in the city and the king goes, should we kill him? And he goes, no, feed him and send him home. It's like that. God, give us a new eye. Like all I see is that. But what I don't see is what you're doing. And that's what faith is for. God, I want to remain in this path with you. I don't want to deviate for anything. And I'm hungry and thirsty to know how you see it doesn't mean that I quit living until he shows me. It just means that that precedes anything I do. You read what James says. I, I think James 4 or 5, I don't remember, but he says, uh, he says, it's a wicked thing that you do when you say, we're going to go here and do business and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. He says, when what you ought to say is, if the Lord wills it. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, there's nothing wrong with having plans, but you better cap your plans with this. If this is how God sees it, this is what we'll do, right? Holding lightly, it's, it's not waiting around in a prayer closet until you have a perfect list. It's stepping out every day going, God, I, I already understand 
my ability to make mistakes. I know I don't see things the way you see it. God, I think this is what I need to do. I'm stepping out, but I hold it lightly and I've prayed and I'm listening. And you said that I would know your voice. And you said that you would lead me into the green pastures of doing your will. God, I hold it lightly. Show me your way so I can walk with you. Show me your way. And that, 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 that is what tempers everything we do. Everything we do, we hold every matter of life in the context of that statement is, God, I, I may not know. I may not be seeing this clearly, and I'm dependent on you to lead me. So I'm stepping out, God, and I'm listening. Please speak. Show me your way. I'm hungry and thirsty to know how you see it. And your word says that in that path of righteousness that you would satisfy me. That's the promise. So the rocky road is the most appropriate place to find real faith and combine it with the good news of God's character towards us, right? Because that's faith. It's confidence in God's character. Um, The first three verses of Psalms 23, we've been talking about faith, are probably the most potent description of faith that we have in all of scripture. At least I think it is. Listen to what it says. This is such a description of faith. This is a combining the good news with faith to inherit the promises. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, it's interesting what we don't have in there is a descriptive of those circumstances. We don't have a descriptive of what the path looks like. We don't have, but we're about to get it in verse four. (laughs) This is an amazing description of a life of faith, combining faith with the good news to inherit the promises. We're going to go to verse four next time. All right. Uh, In verse four, I I just say this. uh, The sheep make a declaration of faith based on the truth of the first three verses. Say, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, isn't it interesting that the path of righteousness would be through the valley of the shadow of death? Faith is for obedience. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's a statement of faith. Why? Because I'm with the shepherd. Like, did you know that in the valley of the shadow of death, there's green pastures and still waters? He's restoring my soul? (laughs) Wow. What a statement of faith. But why do I experience that? Because of my willingness to be there with him. Right? All right. Amen. I'll take it. <clears throat> All right. So um, uh, before, before we leave, first three verses, I, one more little thing that I want to draw out because I didn't, I didn't touch on it. And I want to touch on it. I'm not going to major on it. Uh, but I, I believe that this is something that, that is just, it's another one of those highlights from the first three verses. And so um, I, I briefly alluded to it 
uh, but I didn't spend much time. Um, for me, Psalms 23 has opened up like just this giant spring flower, and it display, displays all this amazing array of majestic color and fragrance that I didn't have any idea were there. All this stuff in there. Wow, didn't know that was there until I got close enough to really examine it. Um, from those three verses, we can travel so many places in Scripture. It has ties to so many places in Scripture, and we had and And the first three verses hold layer upon layer of scriptural truth and livable wisdom. Um, this psalm was written by David about 1000 BC. Best guess, right? What they figure. It's about when this was written. And yet we see God weaving it into the tapestry of our everyday lives today, right? So 3,000 years ago, this was written. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I, 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 I like to bring that time aspect out because God works in time, doesn't he? Uh, you, you might hear me say, somebody, somebody come up to me and say, God gave me a promise. Yes, he did, and he also gave you time, right? It's, it's not going to happen in your timeline. A matter of fact, God gave a lot of promises that didn't happen in the timeline of the generation they were given to. It took another generation to see those promises come to pass, or multiple generations. So remember that. When God gives us promises, he also gives us time. So we have the element of time involved with this, and I like that because 3,000 years later, this psalm still works. 3,000 years later, this psalm is tied, and it has roots in every other place of Scripture that we go. We're going to look at one that's a little more specific because in verse two, um, I alluded to some imagery um, and, and uh, David says he, he, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. And we just kind of looked at that and we go, well, the, the food or the substance, Jesus said, I have food that you know nothing is, that is to do the will of my father. So these green pastures are, he causes me to lie down in doing the will of the father. And we looked at that. like. When Jesus separates the sheep from the goat, the sheep didn't even know that they were doing his will. What? When did we do that? And he goes, oh, you, you did it because you were willing to be there, not because you were smart enough to do it. That ought to be a comfort to a lot of us. All right. But he also talks about some still waters. And we didn't, I just kind of skimmed over that, and I want to touch that just briefly today. So uh, when, when Jewish folks heard words in scripture, they would remember other places that they had heard these terms before, okay? And they would associate it. If you come to the Seder, you're going to see this in some amazing ways. Because they'll go, when you read this, right, the Jewish folks already had this tied to something else back here, and this is the fulfillment of what was already said. And so you've got this going on. And so when you would hear a word like still waters, they would think of other passages of scripture. So David says this. And then about 380 years later, the prophet Jeremiah comes along. I want you to look at what he says. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, to hew for themselves cisterns, Broken cisterns that can hold no water. 
Very interesting. I don't know how many of you have been watching The Chosen. Uh, there's a reference to this in there when Peter's working with um, Gaius to, to fix the cistern, and he quotes this passage of Scripture. God says, I am the fountain of living water, but you have abandoned me for self-sufficiency. Right? Now, we've talked about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Right? Uh, when I'm hungry and thirsty to know how he sees it, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Isn't that interesting? God, I'm thirsty for you. Or am I thirsty just to have things in order in line so that I can say I got it going and I'm going to make it happen my way? God says, well, that's the cistern that you've dug that doesn't even hold water. Right? Very interesting when we went to Israel. Cisterns, so many cisterns. Because there is no water, they had to catch water. And so the promise of a spring of living water is a big promise in that land, right? Big, big promise. And God says, I am the living water. I'm the living water. So that's why whenever Jesus talks about water, it's a big deal. It's a big deal over there. You go over there and it don't take you long to figure out water's a big deal over there, okay? All right, so um, the, these waters though, Jeremiah says this, they represent the life God gives when we abide with him, okay? What waters represent, it's, it's a life-giving, life-giving. You cannot survive without water. You can go a long time without food. You're not gonna make it very long without water, okay? And so um, the waters are representing God's ability to sustain his sheep every day with a fresh flow of his presence. And David says, he leads me beside quiet water, right? This is, this is a picture of God's sustaining, refreshing flow into our lives. Like he knows that we need, he knows that we cannot do this without him. He knows that if we go much more than about three days without him, we're going to die. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's just the truth. It takes me about three days to get so sideways. Anybody else? One day? One day. All right. One good hot day. Uh, flowing and flowing water is fresh water, right? Uh, if if I, I was taught early, now I got to tell a story. I was taught early. If you're going to, when you go to the mountains, if you're going to drink water, find water that's been running over the rocks because it, it cleans itself, right? That's your greatest chance of getting clean water. I had a friend in Billings um, who had some wild years. And uh, any of you have ever heard of Red Lodge, they would go to Red Lodge, they would go camping, and he went up there, and he got into some more stagnant water, and he got Jardia. And so he got home, got sicker than a dog, wasn't sure what was wrong with him. And so we had an ask a nurse in Billings, right? You could call, ask a nurse. He had a question. So he calls and uh, he gets this nurse on the phone and he says, man, he goes, I'm really sick. He goes, I think I have gonorrhea. <laughs> the nurse says, well, what are your symptoms? So he starts telling her and she goes, sir, I, I think you have Jardia. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. He says, Flowing water is fresh water. It's fresh water, right? And so he, he leads me beside these still, these moving 
waters. It's this fresh water. It's interesting to note in scripture that you don't see God's working in our lives compared to a pond or a stock tank or even a lake. It's always flowing water and, and God's correction of the Israelites with Jeremiah is that they had hewn out cisterns, which is standing water, which becomes stagnant. And I, I don't even know how they could drink it, but they did. I'm, I'm sure they were sickly a lot of times from some of the stuff they drank from this stagnant water. He said, I'm, I'm living water. I'm flowing water. Now, as sheep of the new covenant, right? Right? So David, he's talking to people a thousand years ago, but this, this is still speaking to us. He leads me beside still waters. We ought to associate this with the things that Jesus told us. And so when we hear the word waters, what do we think of? Where does that take us? A couple passages of scripture, John chapter four, verses 13 and 14. Listen to what Jesus said. So Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he says, Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give shall never thirst, but the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So here we have this promise of the well. What's the well? John chapter seven, verses 37 through 39. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. The spirit was not yet given, but Jesus was not yet glorified. When we read Psalms 23 and we see promise of these flowing waters, It's a promise to us of God's daily provision to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ who was given when Jesus went back to the Father. He says, I'll lead you in doing my will and I will sustain you with my Holy Spirit. What a gift. What a gift. What what an opportunity. Man, if you are not daily, daily, just saying, Spirit of Christ, fill me with your living waters today. Saturate my life with your living waters today. I want all that you have come to provide. If we do not daily ask for that, we are missing out on such an opportunity. He is the living waters. He is the quiet waters. Man, I need those waters to quiet my soul. I need to know his assurance and his refreshing in a dry and weary land where there is no water as the deer pants for the water brook. So my soul longs after you. An amazing promise. He restores my soul. How does he restore my soul? Waters of the spirit. Waters of the spirit. James says that he is jealous to be received because he has so much to give. If you were going to pray nothing else in the morning, I'm not telling you to do this, but, but to say, Spirit of God, come today and lead me, saturate my life today. I need you. You are my quiet waters. Fill me with all that you have come to give. I want it all. Watch what happens. 
Watch what happens. He will give you the strength to remain on the road. He will refresh you when things are difficult. He will lead you in the path of how God sees it. He will never leave you or forsake you. Why do I say all this? Because I, I, when we look to the Spirit of God to lead us, so many times we've had a disconnect with what faith is, and, and we think, well, maybe, you know, if God was really leading me, then I would be inheriting these things that I'm praying for and telling God that I want him to do for me. And that, that's really a twisted faith. Faith is for obedience. It's not for production. Faith is a means of my obedience in the path of righteousness to remain with him where he can lead me in doing his will, where he can refresh me with his Holy Spirit. And even though I'm going to find myself in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear an evil because I'm with him. I'm on the path with him. He is my sustenance. He is my provision. He is my all in all. The Holy Spirit. What an amazing. Today, the promise of being led beside quiet waters is pointing to the promise of his daily provision and sustenance in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it also gives the sheep an age-old perspective from Jeremiah's day. Beware of slipping into a pattern of cistern digging and forsaking what is made available and fresh to us each day. Verses 1 through 3, we finally made it out. So we can go to verse 4. Who knows how long we'll be there. I, I love verse 4. We're going to touch on some stuff in verse 4 that, that I've been waiting to preach for years. I just didn't know how to preach it. I still don't know if I know how to preach it, and we're going to do it anyway. We'll stumble through it together. Amen. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for the living waters of the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ. We know you're here. We don't, we don't have to ask you to, to come physically. You are, you are here. You fill this earth. You, you saturate every square inch of this place we call earth. You are with each one of us every day, every moment, but it's the invitation to partake of what you have brought for us to have. Come, Holy Spirit, bring all that Jesus sent you with. Reveal Christ. Reveal the Father. Help us to be well fitted with the yoke that you provide to learn of you. To have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to truly understand what you are doing. Would you baptize us afresh today? Would you saturate every fiber of our lives? Would you go to the places that we have not yielded up to you? And would you knock and knock and knock until we open the door and we invite you to come in and to dine? with you and to be refreshed by you. God, you know our weaknesses, you know our struggles, and I thank you so much that you have given us faith for the bumpy road. God, that faith is for obedience, that faith is what 
ties us to you because you know our tendency to wander. But yet you're not afraid of that. Spirit of Christ, would you help us not to just hear, but to live what we're hearing. This is livable. This is livable. God, would our faith be renewed in you? Um, to just say, God, I'm weak and, and I, need, I need your strength. I don't know what this looks like in my own understanding. I've had a plan, but God, I place that on your altar. God, would you renew my mind? Would you transform my life so that I would know what your good and perfect and pleasing will is according to your promise? We thank you. Promise of Romans 8, chapter 14. All who walk with the Spirit, all who live according to the Spirit will be called the sons and daughters of God. We thank you for that. Lead us. Spirit of God, lead us. We thank you for all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.